The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything. It is the Thursday, June 2nd edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we have got a lot of football stuff to discuss, Chris. Uh, Good gracious. Before we do all that, though, I do need to ask you, I mean, you are a Boston sports fan. The Celtics going to yep. end up winning this thing? I sure hope so. Man, I sure hope so. Uh, one, I find this uh, Warriors team to be wildly unlikable. So oh, yes. that's that's a, that's a big thing. And then I, I love the seats, and I want to see them do well. So, yeah. It's, it's very interesting that the first year after Brad Stevens is, is when they finally make the finals, right? Like, we, we thought Stevens was going to get them there. Uh, but now Stevens has moved up to, you know, the uh, the upper office, if you will. And this team is clicking on all cylinders. I mean, defense is yeah. great. Like, they're fantastic basketball team right now. That's right. And I don't think Brad was the problem or a reason because they won a lot of games with him. Um, I think the stars are becoming the stars. Yes. And I think it took a couple of years. You know, Tatum, Tatum is finally, like, coming into his own as one of the stars. When he was drafted, we all thought he was really good, but nobody thought he was going to be one of the top, you know, five or six best players in the game. Um, uh, that, that's true today. And yes. so that's yes, where it's it different. That's hey, a little a little more Boston news. Did you see uh, NESN, which is uh, the New England Sports Network? It's the first regional yeah. sports network that is going to do a direct-to-consumer uh, streaming that's platform. Right. And they, it's and, really expensive. But yes, yes, that's the point that I was going to bring up. It, it so they only do the uh, Red Sox and the Bruins. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, that's. Uh, I mean, uh, I think both because they're going to have the local. You know how like the Grizz have the local Valley's channel here. I guess. I yeah, I guess they'd have they have the Celtics. I guarantee you, they have the Celtics also. That would make sense. All right, so they've got those three teams. It's going to be thirty dollars a month. Thirty dollars a month? Yes, sir. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of damn money. It really makes you question, like, is this a sustainable platform, I, right? Like, I told I told you this years ago when people were talking about cutting the cord. I said what we're going to end up having is you're going to have five or six services that you're going to pay to get all the same shit you got with cable. The difference is, is you're going to go to all these different places, and at the end of the day, you're not going to save one nickel. You're not going to save one penny because you're all going to be spending the same amount of money on all this extra shit. Yep, and it, it you can basically I guess the positive part of this is you can pick and choose what you want. But man, if it doesn't <laughs> co- if it costs you the more than the other one, why do you have to pick and choose? Exactly. Just take all the extra shit and you got 9,000 channels you don't watch. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a, you and I both pay for a, a ridiculous amount of crap anyway just to be able to watch the stuff that we want to watch. Like, it's yes. it's pretty nuts. Or or that our families want to watch. I don't know how much time you and I actually have to sit and 
sit and watch a whole lot of stuff. You know what? I watch I watch a lot of sports and stuff. So yeah. Well, yeah, I mean we watch sports, but who? Uh, not not a not a lot of time for other other things. But uh, but we we find our way around to the TV when we get a chance when we're not working. So let's uh let's dive into the football conversation. Now this is an interesting topic because it, there is nothing yet that is fully on the record. But I do want to start talking about Kentucky football and what might be going on with that football program. Uh, I've got up on the screen a, a Reddit post, but this is this is going on basically everywhere. Uh, KSR, Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, those guys have been talking about it, you know, in very secret tones, if you will. But there's been a lot of rumors flying about Chris Rodriguez potentially being kicked off the team or being suspended for quite some time, etc. And then last week, you had Javon Baker, the wide receiver, who was uh, not kicked off the team, but told, hey, you might want to transfer elsewhere. He transferred into Kentucky this year from Alabama. And there is a lot that is going on, but it appears that the rumor that is going around right now is basically Chris Rodriguez had a job, and he was paid drastically more than what that job should pay. And the extra amount was basically under the table and not reported on taxes. Now, we we understand all this stuff with NCAA rules and whatever else and how, you know, all of it's legal now, it's whatever. The issue is it's not all legal unless you're doing it above board. And this issue is basically that he got paid an astronomical amount of money to play football for Kentucky, basically. Uh, he had like a no-show job and made a ton of money and didn't report it. And now it's not only that the NCAA may be involved, it is that the feds may be involved. So that's why this has become such a such a weird topic to discuss because the school is not saying anything about it. But people have quickly figured out that, hey, Rodriguez isn't exactly with the team right now. They told Javon Baker to get out of here, and they're saying that he could be involved with this as well. I, I'm curious your thoughts on on these rumors and just all of this going on with the Kentucky football program. We are not used to Mark Stoops' football program being in any kind of trouble, and they may not be, uh, but some of their football players are. So what, what do you think about this? Well, uh, I've always said it. Uh, if I ever became president and, and took over our country, uh, the first thing that I would do would use the IRS to shut down all these backdoor dealings in college sports. Not because I'm upset that kids are getting um, paid. It's because I don't like it happening in the dark. Okay, I would I would completely and utterly shut that down. And the IRS is the absolute best tool for that. As soon as I got all of that clamped down and everything brought into the daylight. I would then disband the IRS because I believe they are a terrorist organization. Um, so that's that's my thoughts and and, and philosophies on that. It's uh, really amazing. I mean, yeah, these guys, like, you got to pay your taxes. Yeah, I don't like it, but you got to do it. Okay, I know that we're taking our tax dollars and we're using them to bomb children in Yemen. I know that. I know that we're blowing up schools in Syria with my tax dollars, and it enrages me. It doesn't just make me mad. It, it breaks my heart, but there's nothing I can do about it. If I want to keep providing for my family and keep myself out of prison, 
then I have to pay my taxes. Yes. Yes. Bottom line here. The other part of this that, that blows my mind is the fact that I <laughs> Kentucky football has never really done this. And now we are in a situation where they just did it incorrectly. Like maybe maybe yeah, this, this guy was asked to hang on now. This this one boy got asked to, to leave Alabama, so we think some of this stuff might have happened there too. Like they I, didn't want to get caught in the smoke screen, so you go ahead and transfer out. All right. Well, I don't. Javon Baker isn't the one that was asked to leave. That was a Jai Hall. Javon Baker is one that that actually I think Saban wanted to stay because uh, he was a five star receiver and whatnot. But he he entered the transfer portal and very quickly picked Kentucky. Um, well, and, and this is this is this is a completely different story now. This is one hundred percent you took from the king. Ah, uh, maybe. Maybe. Because you suppose. know, every one of these kids have been getting paid under the table for decades, Gary. For decades. <laughs> I doubt. I you seriously know that, right? doubt. Well, yes. And, yes. I'm just. And then I'm, none of them have ever paid a lick of taxes on any of them. Well, none of a sudden, tax man sniffing around? You're talking about Javon Baker, though. What I'm curious about is the Chris Rodriguez stuff. Like, it, the Chris Rodriguez stuff had to have been going on before the NIL stuff became legal as far as the NCAA is concerned, because why on earth would you not just sign the kid to a, an NIL deal? Because he didn't want because he didn't want to pay the taxes. Listen, I've had plenty of people ask me to pay them in cash in the past because they don't want to pay their taxes or because they got money being garnished from child support or back taxes or whatever. And so they want you to pay them in cash. That happens. That's that's and so somebody said okay now if i pay you in cash you're now responsible for collecting and paying your own taxes okay That's and he point. chose to not do that yeah they're uh their fan camp this, this could have been this could have been legitimate nil money but if you're a 1099 they're not taking the taxes out that's uh, true true and if they don't fill out a 1099 at all uh you know then it comes yeah. back on them as well so i i'm very curious the, about the it. the tax man is coming so it's it look the fan camp it starts in uh in three days on June fifth. Um they'll have a bunch of different camps over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, it, it says on here we'll likely know a lot more about these once camps start. I need to, you you've used the word multiple times astronomical. I need to know what that is. That's I, I need to know what same. that is. Well so I'm guessing that it's astronomical. Well you're the it, one that's using it. Right. Because otherwise this wouldn't be an issue if this is like ten, twenty thousand dollars. Right, this would not be something yeah, that the feds would be investigating. That, if, if if you if you don't know that, then you then you can't you can't classify it as that. You can't quantify it as that. You can't use that word to describe the amount if you don't know what it is. Okay, okay. No, you you have a valid point here. Uh, my guess is that it's a pretty big amount of money because, again, if it's if it's even fifty thousand uh, dollars, your taxes on that are not going to be outrageous. So they're going to talk to you and they're going to get it squared away, but they're not going to do like full investigations to the point that this kid might be kicked off the team, et cetera. Right? Like it's, there's, sure. there's something else going on here and I don't know what it is. And I, I'm very, very curious what ends up happening. Chris Rodriguez is an incredibly important part of Kentucky's offense. Like he, he is a bedrock on that offense. And yeah, they've got other guys. They got smoke. They got other. 
they got dudes that can play the position. But Chris Rodriguez, I think, might be the best running back in the SEC. Like, it's this is a huge deal, right? Now, he, of course, there's other stuff going on as far as he had a DUI on Mother's Day and, like, he's got other stuff that's happened in the past and whatnot. But, but it appears that none of that stuff has anything to do with what's going on right now. So we'll... We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep watching it. We'll see what ends up happening. But, whew, not not used to Kentucky. Uh, not not used to Kentucky football being the ones that might be in a, a bit of trouble, at least not their players, right? So we, we're used to it on the basketball side, just not the football side. But may, maybe this makes them even more of an SEC member. <laughs> you kind of feel like that? Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I don't know. Start – you start taking transfers from Alabama, and and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in trouble. I just know that that's a pattern. You, that's a pattern that I've seen for over twenty years. You uh you might be onto something there. We'll have to see what ends up happening with it. Uh, let's talk about some of the other quick news stories here. Sam Pittman, the head hog, gets a brand new contract, a five year extension, and I, I'm pretty excited for him. Like, this is a pretty big deal. And yeah. I love the way that they did oh, this contract. Um, Sam Pittman, he is now signed through uh, December 31st, 2026, because this was uh, retroactive as of June fir- or January 1st of 2022. But uh, it can be extended additional years every time he wins seven games. This is the Kentucky model. And I love this. It sets the expectation relatively low. Now, if you go seven and five every year, yep. they'll probably be looking for a way to get you out. But uh, but he's up to five million dollars a year in annual compensation. That's pretty good. Yep. Like it's it's not tip top of the sport, but if you're going to be uh, paying your coordinators crazy money, you know it's probably got to come out of the head coaching salary. Uh, you got to get it from somewhere. So yeah, I like this. Like you and I both love Sam, right? Yes, yes. And I wonder. Um, if Arkansas can keep that core three together, uh, that'd be unbelievable. And and the idea that Barry Odom has been a head coach before in the SEC and it didn't work out, uh, usually, and if those guys find a home and they find happiness, I, it's hard to plug them away from from that again. Uh, you know, so and the Brawls name the might just be tarnished just enough to keep Little Brawls in Arkansas. It's entirely possible, and and they may just. They may enjoy it. It may be like Brent Venables, where yeah. you're at a place for a long time because you're the head coach of that side of the ball. You don't have to deal That's with right. all the media scrutiny and all the all the mess from the fans. And yeah. you're just happy where you are, right? Well, and you're compensated well. Like, yeah. like there's no G5 job in the country that's paying more than what these guys are making. There's no G5 job that was paying Brent more. Like, it's not like UAB can come call him one day and you know you're 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 turning down money, so you're just you're just you're literally leaving for a worse position, but you get the name head coach, right? And at some point in time, I just think some people don't care about titles. I, I've never been one to give a damn about titles. I just I just don't care. Doesn't no. matter to me. That's my way of thinking. Other people will gladly take pay cuts, but they want to be in charge. They want their name on top of the building. They want. They, you know, they want everyone to know they're the ones that made all those decisions. I just don't I, – I think some guys are just wired to not care about that stuff. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree, and I think uh, I think several of them are at Arkansas right now. I, with what Barry yeah. Odom went through at Missouri, 
uh, with what well, Ken Browns went through. Like, I, yeah, I'm with they, you. These guys have both been through some some kind of shit situations, and and they they see the ugly side of being on top. Exactly. Like, and not that Kendall Browse has ever been a head coach, uh, but what no, he went through he, at Baylor. he went through it all with his dad. Exactly. And his dad's still going through it. Oh, yeah. His dad can't get an OC job with an HBCU. Which is just bananas. Just bananas. Uh, uh, we'll move on. Let's talk about Miami for a minute. John Ruiz, the mega booster. He, uh, his company, MSP Recovery, went public just last week. I'll go on and bring this up on the screen. Uh, its share price has already dropped by 86% in one week. And there is now a law firm that's investigating whether MSP and certain uh, members of or certain officers and or directors may have violated federal securities laws. Uh, this is this is interesting stuff. Stuart Mandel tweeted this out. Uh, and of course, the comments on it are <laughs> are, are very uh, par for the course. Right, this guy said, uh, "Miami lives in your head, rent free. Get over it." Uh, and then this other guy said, "Miami doing Miami things. Maybe the U is back." Uh, this this certainly seems interesting because this guy did appear to pop up out of nowhere. Right, this is just one of them. There's Life Wallet. There's all kind of different things that that he's involved in. But he, it, it's like Miami forever had no money, right? And then all of a sudden. They've got enough money to buy out Mario Cristobal's contract from Oregon. They've got enough money to completely renovate a stadium, uh, renovate their indoor practice facilities. They are paying uh, players. They're paying basketball players, like NIL money, et cetera. Like it, it, it seems strange that it all just came out of nowhere. Did it feel weird to you? No. Like, hey, I don't really like getting into the weeds with boosters. I don't care. Okay, I don't care what your dealings are. If you got money, you want to swing it around, congratulations. Um, but no, I don't think Miami was ever organized, and they never had a product on the field. But I kind of appreciate their boosters. We're not paying for garbage, okay? <laughs> That's, you, you're on to something there. You're on to something. They are certainly not doing that. Uh, they, they knew who they wanted to get. They went after Mario Cristobal. They got him. And all this NIL stuff that's going on down there, uh, if hey – this is the world that we live in. We talked about it a lot. I don't know where you would yeah. get the, the idea that Miami boosters don't have money. Like, Miami's, like, one of the most expensive cities in the world. Like, on planet Earth to live in. The, the boosters don't have money? You crazy? So, I guess they've always had money, and they just never wanted uh, to spend it on the program, I guess. Like, I... Or, or, or they didn't like who the coaches were, and the uh, the staff wouldn't allow them to get involved. And, of course, now you brought over the AD for organized. Clemson. Yeah, it's just they, they all seem to get together in a room and sat down and said, this is embarrassing. we got to fix this. So I'm, I'm curious what this, uh, what this stock situation and the, uh, the federal securities laws and violations and whatnot, what that will mean for Ruiz because he is, he's the big one. He's the one that is really kind of footing the bill for, for a lot of stuff down there, uh, at least all the newsworthy stuff. Um, I don't believe he's the only he's, one. But he's just making his he's just getting his name out there. He's not footing the bill for everything. And uh, let me tell you about rich guys. He's still gonna be rich when this is all over. Oh yes. That's a, it doesn't matter what happens, uh they always seem to find a way to land on their feet. Uh and their feet is typically inside some uh multi million dollar yacht, right? Like the, <laughs> 
that's the way this thing goes. So we'll uh, we'll keep up with it. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll move on to Ohio State and Ryan Day. Ryan Day met with about a hundred members of the Columbus business community on Thursday morning, and he actually put a price tag on NIL. He he believes that Ohio State needs $13 million in NIL money in order to keep the football roster together. Now, I don't know that that's exactly right. This is kind of what Nick Saban was doing when all the Jimbo stuff started up. He was talking to uh, Birmingham businessmen. Hey, if you guys want us to stay competitive, you're going to have to up the ante a little bit. And that's exactly what Ryan Day did, only Ryan Day put a price tag on it. And this article is is very interesting because it looks at it as, okay, for an 85-man scholarship team, that would be about $150,000 per player. But the better calculation is really closer to $500,000 each for like 26 guys that you can't live without. I, I think this number's about right, and I think you're going to see more coaches doing this uh, in the future. You kind of feel the same way. Yeah, but that's if he wants to keep everybody together. And, and at the end of the day, you're just not going to be able to – the whole purpose, the one caveat that NIL was going to do, it was going to spread out the talent. And you want to have a major talent advantage over everybody on the planet, just ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely not going to happen. Because here's the thing. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to get the $13 million, right? And then Wisconsin's going to say, mm, you only paying them 500000 those top-tier guys, and then uh, maybe 100000 for your, you know, middle-tier guys. Uh, we'll take that top-tier guy for 800000 because we really need him, and we don't have all the other guys that you got. Yeah. See, all you need is one school to value one of your five-stars or one of your top-tier four-stars that you've developed, thank you very much, over a couple of years, and all they have to do is outbid them on that one player. They don't have to bid them for every player. Exactly. Like Wisconsin can and do one of them. talent advantage goes away. Exactly. If, 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 if Michigan takes one kid from them and Wisconsin takes one kid from them and Michigan State takes one kid from them, and we're talking about top-tier starters, you're $13 million, now you're going back and asking for more. Oh, we got, I got to have more. At that point, then it gets kind of tricky, right? Then you figure out, okay, are the Ohio State boosters willing to keep uh, upping the ante for these certain players? Or uh, did they just say, no, nah, you know what, just go out and find some other ones. Like, yeah, you, you're a good at, coach. At some, point in time, at some point in time, you should look at the coach who's making nine, ten figures and tell him, do your job. Yes. Okay. You do your job, all right? You coach better than him. For for decades, we had more talent than they ever had, okay? And we beat them consistently. Now, talent might be close to even. I'm going to need you to keep beating them. Yes. Just because the talent's getting even don't mean your paycheck's getting lower. No, I need your ass to show up and go to work. Exactly. Coach better. <laughs> I love it. Coach better. Uh, speaking of going I, to work, I tell you what. Uh, go ahead. If I, if I was one of these rich guys, if I was one of these bo- bo- big boosters, I'd absolutely have something for my coaches. I don't mind paying the kids. I don't mind that. But your ass has been making ten million dollars a year or more all these years, all these years, and you had the best talent. Uh uh-uh. uh 
No, sir. No excuses. You don't get an excuse. Be better. Coach better than them. Because every now and then, Michigan beats your ass like they did last year, and they did it with inferior talent. Yeah. So tell me how that happens. Uh, well, Explain you, to me how that happens. You whip them. That, that, that's it. Well, like, I, that's what Michigan but that's, did. But what, what, what I'm saying is, is if, if, you're, if you can only win with superior talent, then why are we paying you? That's a valid Why point. don't we just pay somebody else? I mean, that's that Lane Kiffin said that, right? Lane Kiffin said, hey, yeah. like, all this other stuff is not going to matter. Like, it's whoever's going to be able to buy the best roster. And at that point, like, why would they be paying so much for these coaches when when they could pay somebody let, a la Sam Pittman, right? Like, yeah. Get, yeah. Some, get some guys that know X's and O's and whatnot. Uh, but that is one... One thing that has come up over the last couple of weeks is you, with all the way that this is shaking out right now, you may not see the same assistant coaches that have been rising up the ranks because they can recruit, right? You may see some guys go from high school ball to college a little more frequently because they actually know the X's and O's. And it won't be because of their ability to create relationships or whatever. It's whether or not you can coach. And maybe that's a a good thing that's going to come out of this. Yep. I'm all in. But I've been talking about this forever, Gary. And oh, this no. is this but hang on now. You say you're all in on it. You say you're all in on it, but your guy who wins all the time has all the best players, all the best coaches. He has every advantage anybody could possibly have. And he still doesn't win it every year. Yeah. How on earth could Gus Malzahn beat him? How on earth does that happen? That's a fireball offense. No, Malzahn benefits you have. <laughs> Malzahn's a good coach. And it's not like Auburn had scrubs. But but hang on, but hang on, but hang on now. But I'm not talking about scrubs. It doesn't matter. Just because the other team is really good, you have the best team ever assembled by college football, and you still lose games to yeah. way to coaches that everybody in the world would say is inferior to you. You know what that tells me? They're not inferior to you. But I, I agree with You're you. You're not God. No, of course not. <laughs> hey, the ball is oblong and it bounces funny. I will say that. Uh, but no, no football team is going to win every game. I mean, that's just that's bananas. Um, I, I say, team. but with the talent discrepancies and the coaching discrepancies uh, for the staffs that we see in college football, yeah, yes, they do. They do win all the games. Ohio State wins all the games almost all the time. Yeah, but that's what because that's what we're saying. There are upsets. so much better than everybody. Yeah, but one upset a year, two upsets a year doesn't make the sport better. No, that's I, not I good agree. for anything. But that, that's why and I do all think... it does is give people a false security of of, of Ryan Day's ability to coach. That you're you're not wrong. You are not wrong about that. So I'm, if I'm Ryan good. Day and Dab, I hate. Let me tell you a guy I hate. Let me tell you a guy I hate. Dabo Sweeney. If Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney swap places tomorrow. Ryan Day would fall on his dick so fast, it would be unbelievable. He'd be a good coach. But I'm telling you, the ACC would run through him. And that's with a team that's not loaded, but but they're not bared stock like Ohio State is. That's I, – I do wonder about that. I think we're going to find out a lot about Ryan Day this year. Uh, he now, did, the team is loaded. I mean, the team is loaded – but at the same time, like there, what are we gonna find out? Uh, there are some, uh, 
there's new faces, right? And now you've got Jim okay. Knowles as your defensive coordinator. You know, was that oh, the, the smart move? Is that going to be an instant thing? I'm a proven great defense coordinator. You've got one of the best offensive wide receivers uh, cores in the country. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You've got one of the best offensive linemen in the country. All the skilled players are elite and going to go play on Sundays. Heaven forbid, oh, this is going to be a tough year for him. We're going to find out something, I guess. He's got a damn NFL team on his on his on his college football team, but we'll finally find out if he's good or not. Well, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out because last year they were pretty loaded too, and they lost uh, they lost two games, didn't even make it to the Big Ten title game. Uh, I'm curious if you know if they lose games again this year, if they lose two more games, which again, two like going ten and two is not the end of the world, right? You and I talk about this all the time. It's not your your birthright to win ten ball games. But with Ohio State and with this roster, uh, if you if you can't find a way to get back to that Big Ten title game, yeah, we then there might be questions, right? And obviously, we'll see how the season goes. It's hard to say that before we ever play a football game. But uh, again, when you were that loaded, uh, it does make you question some things, right? Like Alabama last year, uh, th- there's no way that that team should have been in a national title game, and and yet they were there at the end of the year. Uh, I suppose just based off playmakers and and making the right coaching calls in, in very dire times, but I'm I'm just I'm wondering what Ohio State fans are going to think, what Ryan Day is going to look like, what will we think of Day after this season if he does lose two ball games in the regular season? Like I don't see it. I I think they'll probably go undefeated, but I mean you never know. I mean we kind of thought that last year, didn't we? So when I, you I, have all the advantages. And you go undefeated, you still haven't done anything that's impressive. Yeah, I just don't understand that. Hey, let's. Uh, he has all the best coaches in the Big Ten. He has he has all yeah. the best players in the Big Ten. If he beats everybody in the Big Ten, who cares? What does that mean? What yeah. does that tell us? Yeah, that. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It it only tells us that he's doing his job. If they win every game, if they lose, then that's where the questions come in. So at least that's my viewpoint on it. Uh, you were talking about impressing and whatnot. We'll move on. We'll talk one more last thing before we get into the FBS independence previews. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, good old Fitz Magic, is retiring after 17 years in the NFL. And I got to tell you, I didn't see this one coming. Like, I know he's been around for a long time. I know that. But he, like, I know he got injured last year. But... I kind of thought that he would come back and he would just, you know, he'd be a, a veteran presence in the locker room for some team somewhere. And and I thought he would just ride this out for maybe three, four more years. Uh, were you shocked at all by this? Uh, no. I mean, he's a 40-something-year-old man. He's bouncing around from team to team. He can't really find, you know, consistency anywhere. No, there's no way he's going to keep doing that at this age. Why? Well, I don't. I don't even think he's. I don't think he's forty yet, is he? Like I, I'm looking it up right now. I think he's like late thirties. Um, but I guess like I think the Tom Brady thing. Yeah, here we go. He's uh he's thirty nine. Um, I think that the Tom Brady thing throws off my perception of of what's of what's possible. Like my perspective on on age, right? Because it's not just Brady. It's like Aaron Rodgers is thirty eight and and still you know, slinging that ball around like crazy. Like, I, it just felt like Fitz was in 
good shape. I know, again, he got injured last year and had to miss, you know, all of the season. But I, I don't know. I did, he seemed like he was totally comfortable with being like the journeyman quarterback. But I guess at some point that does get old, right? Yeah, I'd be sick of that. How many teams did he play for? Uh, he he started for nine different teams, I think. Uh, let's see, he played for the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, uh, the Cincy uh, Bengals, the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, uh, the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Washington football team. So he, he's been kind of all over the place. So, yeah, hmm. it's uh, it's pretty nuts. He, he really, like, when he became the most famous, I think, is when he he was Fitz Magic, and he kind of took Jameis's job in Tampa. Like I think yep. I think that was when he really hit, it. and that was, I mean that was twelve years into his career. So it'll uh, it'll be a shame to not have him out there, not have him as somebody that we can talk about in the NFL. But uh, good on him, like props to him because that's a hell of a career, uh, and he's just an overwhelmingly likable guy, like always has yeah. been. So incredibly funny. Uh, great in a press conference setting. Like, and from all indications, like every team that he's ever been on, the players love him. Like, I don't know of anybody that might be more lovable than that guy. Does you tend to agree? Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's super likable. Super, super likable. There's a, there's not a ton of those guys around anymore. I will certainly say that. Uh, podcast reads let's go on and do this. Winningcureseverything.com is the website. Go ahead and check it out. Everything you need to know about us, you can find right over there. Along with that, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. You can leave a five-star review over there. A written review would certainly help us out. That helps out the algorithm and gets us in front of more college football NFL fans. Along with that, the YouTube page is rocking and rolling. We are rolling through our college football previews. Once those are done in the middle of July, we will then move into the NFL previews. So, uh, so we've got a lot of previewing to do leading up to the season, but make sure that you are subscribed over at the YouTube page and, of course, the podcast as well. Jump into the chat. Jump into the comments there. We're on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Chris is at ChrisBGiannini, and I am at WinningCures. <coughs> that is the show's Twitter page. And you can also find my smiling mug uh, a couple of times a week over at BetUSTV doing the How to Gamble on Sports segments there. And uh, and the college football show, the BetUS college football show, is coming back very, very soon. So check it out, BetUSTV.com. Now, Chris, the FBS independents. There are seven teams that are not affiliated with a conference as of right now. Uh, Before we jump into team number one, let me get your initial impressions. Uh, I like uh, some of them, and the others I hate. (laughs) Like I don't even want to. I, I, I hate to a point that I really don't want to even talk about. I feel uh, like we're going to waste a lot of time. <laughs> I would imagine these will be short previews, uh, for sure. Um, but there are well, fans of those so. teams, so you know we'll we'll dive through okay. it and, and we'll see uh, if we can find anything about them. We'll start off these previews with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and of course Notre Dame, a brand new head coach. Brian Kelly left for LSU, and now Marcus Freeman is going to be the new head coach. Last year, they went 11-2. and That includes a bowl loss to Oklahoma State, and what a hell of a ball game that was. Uh, 11-1 in the regular season. Their postgame win expectancy was 9.56 and 2.44. 
So closer to a 10-win team than an 11-win team. The offense was strange. Uh, They typically have been really good at running the football. Uh, Even with Kyron Williams last year, though, they were number 94 in rushing success rate. So the offensive line was still pretty good. They just didn't seem to know what they were trying to do, especially early in the season. Now, late in the season, once the schedule eased up, uh, that defense rocked and rolled, man. I mean, they were... They were unbelievable. Uh, they lose Jack Cohn. They lose Kyron Williams. They lose uh, Kane Madden, the right guard. Uh, they lose Kyle Hamilton, who they didn't have for the back half of the uh, schedule last year. Uh, but they do replace Kyle Hamilton with Brandon Joseph from Northwestern. So, you know, NFL guy gone, NFL guy comes in. Let's start off with the offense here. Tommy Reese is back. Uh, do the handcuffs get taken off a little bit without Brian Kelly around? I don't think Marcus uh, Freeman is going to do anything to kind of slow him down. You you feel the same there? Well, yeah. So they're not going to like tell him what he can and can't run. He's definitely going to run his his program the way he wants uh, from the offensive side, and that's fine. They didn't have a quarterback last year. I'm very curious to see their quarterback situation this year. They basically bounced around to like three different guys last year. Yeah, they they are replacing a quarterback for the second straight year. Uh, the presumed starter, Tyler Buckner, missed spring ball with an injury. So, you know, does Buckner come in and just take the job, or is it Drew Pine? Like, we'll we'll see what happens there. They do have four offensive line starters back, so that's definitely good. Whoever starts at QB is going to have the tight end, Michael Mayer, to throw to. Uh, that's awesome. That's right. So, but they yep. need Big dude. these inexperienced star wide receivers. Uh, they are going to need them to click early, I think. Uh, you've you got to get the running game going. you got to get these wide receivers comfortable. Uh, their offense, number 98 in returning production, 54%. Uh, overall, returning production on the team is number 43 at 67%. But the defense returns the most. 79% of the snaps are back on defense. Uh, that's number 16 in the country. And as far as the roster strength goes, you know, I've talked about this with these other conferences, Notre Dame, number 10 overall roster strength in the country, number 13 on offense, number 5 on defense. Uh, With Marcus Freeman as the head coach, I would imagine that the defense stays the same, right? Because they actually improved last year with him coming in in his first season. Uh, They were number number 15 in defensive points, uh, predicted points allowed per drive. So pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, The new defense coordinator... What I'm real curious about is Al Golden. He hadn't coordinated a defense since 2004. Uh, he's either been a head coach or an NFL position coach since then. Uh, a lot of people remember Al Golden being the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes years and years ago. Didn't work out there. He was a D.C. before that at Virginia. And, you know, if you hadn't been a D.C. since 2004, like, how difficult is that transition? Like, we know Marcus Freeman was the D.C. and he'll be there to help along. Uh, Golden, but you know Golden's been in the NFL for years, so I'm I'm curious what the difference is, right? Uh, they're returning nine of twelve players. They had 400 plus snaps. They're bringing in Brandon Joseph at safety uh, to handle Kyle Hamilton's spot. The talent on this team is absolutely there. Uh, does anything change on defense from Freeman taking the head coaching role? Like I, that's I, I don't imagine we'll see a change in in the scheme on defense, but you're bringing in Al Golden, a guy that's really experienced. You know, what's the difference here? Um, Chris, tell me, what's what's your record here? I've got them 9-3. and three. 
I think they're going to be really, really good. But I don't know that they're going to be great because I think the schedule's just tough. I have them nine and three as well. And Notre Dame just continues to always play one of the most difficult schedules in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, That's nothing new for them. They've got Clemson at home. They do play at USC. They play at Ohio State to open the season. Uh, They play at North Carolina. They've got Cal at home. Uh, They play BYU on the road. Or not on the road, but in Vegas. Uh, You know, three losses in here I don't think is is crazy. And I think nine and three would be a pretty successful year for a first-time head coach. Like, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, It would be a little bit of a downtrend from what they've been over the last however many years with Brian Kelly, but they're going to have to hit a quarterback. Like, I really think that's important uh, with some of these bigger games. So, uh, my keys to the season here, determine a quarterback, get the skill guys to gel early. Uh, Marcus Freeman will get his feet wet early, returning to Ohio State for his first game, and then a couple of likely wins before traveling to Chapel Hill. I said, this is a top-10 roster, but we're going to have to see how the changeover at the top affects everyone. So, it's going to be interesting. I, that that first game against Ohio State, I am super curious about because this defense is loaded, uh, but I don't know if the offense has enough to be able to keep up. And I think that's been their problem for several years now. I don't know that it changes in year one with Marcus Freeman. So, you uh, you ready to rock and roll? On to the next one. Yes, sir. Uh, yep. You know we love these guys right here. Uh, the BYU Cougars. Kalani Sataki. Now, there were questions about Sataki just a few years ago. It was not that long ago that we were talking about whether or not he was going to be able to make it as a head coach. And from what I gather from the reports that I have heard, he was actually offered the Oregon head coaching job and turned it down to stay at BYU. And I am so thankful that he did because he feels like the perfect fit for this football team. Last year went 10-3. and That's a loss in the bowl game to UAB. Uh, but, man, they had, a, they had a pretty tough schedule last year. Went 5-0 and against Pac-12 teams. Um, post-game win expectancy record last year was 8.73 and 3.27. So closer to 9-3 and than 10-2, and which is what they ended up. But... Uh, Projected SP Plus records got them at about eight and a half wins again, so they could get to nine again. The schedule looks pretty difficult. Uh, you look at, we'll start off with the offense here. That's where they shined last year. They do lose running back Tyler Algier, uh, and then their uh, center, James Impey. The quarterbacks were number 12 in QBR last season. Jaron Hall is is the stud of this group, uh, so long as you can keep him healthy. How does Jaron Hall fare without having Algier as his security blanket? That's what I want to see. The offensive line could be a top-five unit in the country. Wide receiver has multiple big-time options. Uh, Gunnar Romney, et cetera. Uh, Nakua, I believe, is uh, another wide receiver. Uh, they've got three seniors that played a combined 238 snaps at running back last year. So they got dudes. Algier declared early for the NFL draft. Uh, he did get drafted because he is, in fact, a stud. Uh, Chris, uh, the problem that I've got here is on defense. Uh, on offense, they were number four in PPA per drive. On defense, they were number 95. Like, they were giving up points to everybody last season. And you look at them, they were, they're were number one in returning production on defense in the country. 93% comes back. Uh, we should see some improvement. Um, the front seven, I think, is going to be pretty good. Defensive end, Batty, and the linebacker, Wilgar. Uh, those are your studs to look out for. Secondary doesn't look heavy on talent, but they got nine guys back that played 200-plus snaps. Six of them played over 400 snaps. 
So I would imagine experience probably gets them to be a little bit better than number 95 in that metric. I yep. give me give me a record here because I I'm kind of high on this bunch, man. Um, I like them. I like them a lot. I've got them eight and four. I kind of wanted to make them nine and three. We are off on this one. We we both had Notre Dame nine and three. Uh, I've got BYU ten and two. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I've got them beating Baylor. I've got them beating Notre Dame. I've got them losing to Arkansas. I've got them losing to Oregon. But I think they win everything else. Okay. So, so those four games, I figured, I think they can win one of them. But splitting them would be huge. Splitting them would be unbelievable. Yeah, I the the Notre Dame one, like I think it's a scheduling setup, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, BYU plays Utah State on a Thursday, the week before they play Notre Dame in Vegas. And Notre Dame has a bye week, but I just... I think that this team can be, I think they can whip Notre Dame, like at the line of scrimmage, which sounds bananas. But I just, I, I see something in this team that I think, I, you know what it is? I remember exactly why I marked that, because I think BYU is going to have the better quarterback. I think that's what it is. So I, I might, yeah. I, I could certainly see it. I just, there's something about this team that I always think that they're going to be worse than they actually are, and they are always overperform. Like the last three, four years under Sataki, they have been dynamite. And I just, I, I don't always see it. This time around, I was looking at the roster, looking at all the numbers, etc. And man, I think they're going to be really good. Like really, really good. So I'm I'm going to roll with 10 and 2 on this. Um, and this, from what I understand, this will be the last year before they head into the Big 12. Uh, keys Big to the 12, season. I was about to say. Yeah. That's yeah. in I mean, hey, you get a win over Baylor this year. I mean, you'll have that to point to when you head into it next year. <laughs> so that's definitely good. Uh, biggest key is to fix the defense here. Secondary was young last year, but they are experienced. Uh, the offense going to need to find a replacement for the running back, but four offensive linemen back, plenty of weapons for Jaron Hall. Uh, they should maintain their consistency there. Uh, tough schedule. like, But, hey, again, like I think they can win 10 games. I think this could be a double-digit win season. So that is the way I'm rolling on that. Uh, let's move it along, and we will move with another team that we like to talk about quite a bit, and that would be the Army Black Knights. And this bunch, pretty good season last year, and they continue to have really good seasons with Jeff Munkin as the head coach. They went 9-4 and four last year. Post-game win expectancy was 9.09 and 2.91. Um you know, they, they went 8-4 and four in the regular season and then won the bowl game. And they really should have won nine games in the regular season. So, returning production is always bad for the military uh, academies. 95 is their ranking. Uh, 56% returning production. Definitely not good. Uh, don't even bother looking at roster strength. I'm not going to dive into a bunch here. Um, the quarterback, uh, Tyre Tyler is going to have to, it's probably going to be him that replaces Christian Anderson and Jabari Laws. Uh, the offense ran really well with Christian Anderson as quarterback. 32 of the 46 touchdowns that were scored last year were by guys that are coming back, so that's good. Uh, but the two quarterbacks that are coming back only attempted 20 passes combined last year, so you don't really have that passing aspect that Army was able to develop late in the year last year. 
they, and it's not that they threw the ball a lot. It's just, you know, they had that explosive play that they could pull out of the back pocket every now and then. On defense, uh, Nate Woody, is he's been the D.C. ever since um, Jay Bates left back three years ago. And, you know, pretty feisty defenses the last couple of years. But they were number 85 in PPA per drive on defense last year. That's not good. Uh, rushing success rate allowed is really good. They're losing their nose tackle, Cockrell. That's going to hurt. Um, you know, when I look at this, like, their linebacker, Andre Carter II, is a beast. Uh, Jabari Moore comes back at cornerback. He's awesome. There are pieces for this defense to maintain and, and even improve. Chris, like, Army's won at least nine games in four of the last five years. Even if you don't see it roster-wise, like, I, I've got them at eight and four, and and that's with them losing, like, the first two ball games. Like, I, I still think yeah. this is an incredibly well-coached team, and the schedule, uh, they always use it to set themselves up quite well. Like, I think they beat Navy this year. I'm... I'm kind of in on them again. I, I don't think they're ever going to really have a bad year under Jeff Munkin. Yeah, I'm with you. I've got eight and four as well. We're the exact same. And and that's it. That's what I trust, and that's what I know. It's Jeff Munkin. I, you know, it's almost impossible to to predict based on roster or experience or any of those things. You hit on all those. It, it's just, A, they schedule well. They get to play the bottom feeders of the, the independents. Um, so that's a that's a whole lot of wins that you can just roll off, um, and then you know they play the other military academies, and this is no knock to the other ones. I just I like Munkin better than them, uh, the other coaches. I I think he's a better coach. I, I like the way he's built this program and getting them to the way he runs things. So everybody knows their role on this team. Well, yeah, they they have an identity. And they're not afraid to, like last year, they threw the ball more than we've ever seen them throw the ball. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay with him being able to say, hey, we have the talent to do this thing that's different than we normally do it. We're going to try it, and we're going to do it more. And, and that takes a little bit of guts and courage. It definitely does. Um, they do play at Wake Forest. Uh, Georgia State looks like they could be kind of tough. I've got them actually winning that game. Uh, the first two games out of the out of the slate here at Coastal Carolina and then UTSA uh, before you get yep. Villanova, at pretty tough couple of games to open the season. Uh, but then you got yes, sir. then you got a bye week before Georgia State. You got at Wake Forest. Then you get Colgate and ULM. Uh, you take another bye week, and then you've got Air Force. Uh, let's see at Troy. You got UConn at UMass, and then Navy. Like the back half of the schedule is set up just about perfectly for them. Yeah. softens up real well so they can get ready for Navy. You got it. You got it. So I'm I'm interested in this. Uh, the key on defense is going to be slowing down the passing game. Woody's defense has been able to stop the run, uh, but opponents can throw on them. I don't think this schedule has anybody other than Wake Forest that they're going to really have to worry about with that. So so the schedule sets up well. Uh, so I've got them 8-4. and four. You said you've got them 8-4 and four as well. 8-4 and four as well, yes, sir. All right. Not too shabby. That will take us on to we got four more here, and and I don't know that these are going to take nearly as long. Um, yeah, I was going to say I kind of want to roll through these. Well, well uh, one of them we'll talk about. Yeah, one the of them we'll three. talk, and then we'll start off with them right now. The Liberty Flames and good old Hugh Freeze, eight and five last year. Post game win expectancy had a record of six point eight nine and five point one one. They were seven and five in the regular season. 
So the postgame win expectancy was about right where it's supposed to be. Um, you you look at this bunch. They lost Malik Willis, of course, the quarterback. They lost uh, the running back, Joshua Mack. They lost wide receiver, Kevin Shea, on defense. They lost defensive tackle, Elijah James, uh, Deron Hall. Um, I'm sorry, Deron Lowe. Uh, let's see, who else? I mean, they, they just they lost a bunch last year. They're number 117 in the country in returning production. And, and the roster strength is not as good as it was last year. Uh, now, a big part of that might be some of these studs that they're losing. But, man, when you look at this team, like, I, I know that you don't have the numbers in front of you. I want to know what your guess is on what their what their rank was in turnover margin last year. Uh, I, would, I would guess bad, maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. They were number 125 out of 130 FBS teams in turnover margin. They were, I mean, as bad as you could possibly get. Um, I, I put on here on offense, could a new quarterback limit the turnover issues? Uh, it says, talk about a new-look offense. There may not be a player in America that could replicate what Malik Willis did for Hugh Freeze's offense. Uh, and then I put in here, transfers could make the offensive line solid. Young wide receiver core could be dynamite if quarterback Charlie Brewer, or whoever uh, the new guy is, uh, can hit him. Charlie Brewer's there. I don't know that he's going to be the starter. Uh, and they do have, like, a three-headed running back monster. They, they've got... Three guys that can all play, that could all start. Uh, so we'll see what, which one ends up doing all right. Defense, uh, number 110 in returning production, like 51%. They don't bring a lot of guys back, but they do have major pieces at defensive end and linebacker, along with a pretty good secondary. Uh, secondary was number 26 in passing success rate allowed last year. Um, they were not good at stopping the run, but that can improve with some of the incoming transfers that they got. Uh you know, guys to look out for uh, the defensive ends here, Johnson and Clark. Uh, the wide receiver, Demario Douglas, could be good, as long as he's got somebody that can get him the ball. Uh, you got to stop the turnovers. They were number 116 in interceptions thrown last year. Uh, the offensive and defensive efficiency numbers showed that this team should have been way better than 7-5 and five last year. Like, they just... I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. But at the same time, I don't know that that necessarily means anything for this year, because... You can't replace Malik Willis. Like you got to develop these young guys and whatnot, and and the quarterback is the most important position in Hugh Freeze's offense. And I don't know what he's got there. Like Charlie Brewer has experience, but you know Salter or Bennett could be better options. So we'll we'll see about those. Like I, I've got them, I've got them seven and five, and man, that might be solely based on on my faith in Hugh Freeze being a pretty good head coach. Okay. So this is weird. We seem to have this team the exact same record. I've got them seven to five as well, but I feel differently about it. Like everything you just said sounded negative and pessimistic. And all I can think of is, hey, there's there's very few coaches in the country that I would trust over Hugh Freeze to replace a great quarterback with another great quarterback. He's obviously proven that he has a track record of being able to coach quarterbacks up pretty damn well so um that doesn't concern me uh you know is Malik you know is he gonna find another Malik no you don't just replace the greatest quarterback in school history but at the same time it's not like the guy coming in is gonna be a bag of potato chips like Q's gonna get him coached up he's gonna run this offense he knows what he wants out of his team and I think he can get him there I think they're seven and five strictly because they they do turn the ball over a lot. I don't know that that's all on Malik. I think that is just the kind of the way they play football, uh, a little fast and loose. Um, 
and uh, and so those things happen. And then also, Hughes never been one to have a great defense. And so while he can score with folks, if he plays anybody that can score or they can slow his offense down, he's going to struggle to win those games. So I think the teams that they're outmatched against, I think they struggle to beat. I think they get beat up pretty good. But the teams that they're better than, I think they also beat those teams up pretty good. Yeah, I – you know, I tend I to agree with you. to say that this team is very uh, – like their final record is usually pretty close to also how they are against the spread. I would bet that teams are favored to beat, they cover the spread. And teams they're, they're underdogs against, I bet they don't cover the spread. Well, I will say this. They went 8-5 and five last year. They were 7-6 and six against the spread last year. So, pretty I, close. I, yeah, yeah. I pretty, think they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and the teams they're not supposed to beat, I think they beat the hell out of them. Yeah, the so. majority of them. I mean, remember, this team lost to, like, Louisiana Monroe last year. Like, it, it was – That's right. No, I yeah. know that that was unexpected. But, but, you know, it's not a perfect science, but I'm just saying – I th- this I think is what thing, I get from Hugh Freeze teams. The thing that, that drives me nuts about last year is they were – this team was number 15 in predicted points added uh, margin last year, and they were number 18 in net points per drive, which typically would make you like a top 20 football team. Like you, you should be, be – especially with the uh, schedule that they played, they should have been better than 7-5 and five in the regular season. And – you know, I looking back at, at what they were, like maybe maybe the idea is, you know, I don't know that all of the interceptions were Malik Willis's fault, but number one sixteen in interceptions thrown is definitely not good, right? Uh, if you cannot turn the football over, like I trust you, Freeze, to have a good offense. So, you know, again, seven and five, like, and that's with BYU, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, UAB, like, yeah, uh, all these guys on the schedule. Like, I, there's, by the way, there is a big discrepancy between, like, <laughs> the good teams against the bad teams that they play. Like, it is a vast difference. There there are very few average football teams that Liberty's going to play <laughs> next year. Uh, Virginia that, Tech might be but the But that's closest. what I'm talking Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like they're, they're going to play teams that I think when they face them, they have no, not only do they have no chance at winning unless a miracle happens, they're going to get destroyed. Yeah, and 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 the other teams that they play, I think they're going to beat by thirty. Yeah, because I think those other teams are going to struggle to score five. I mean, like it's just Akron, hard, UMass, hard to put points. Yes, yeah, Gardner Webb, UConn, New Mexico State, UConn, like they, New Mexico <laughs> State. Yeah, those teams, those teams are going to struggle to score on anybody all year. Yeah, any points at all. Well, that's you know what. Let's go ahead and uh, and wrap this thing up. Uh, we will go on and move to the next bunch. And these three, again, all, these all are all three in a row. One yes. time. They, they will all be uh, very quick. We'll, we'll start off. We'll do New Mexico State first. Uh, I want to talk about them for just a minute because they hired Jerry Kill as their new head coach. And, you know, it, let, let's not dive too deep into this. This team was really bad last year. Number 126 in PPA margin, number 124 in net points per drive. Their roster strength right now is number 130 across the board. Number 130 on offense, number 130 on defense. They're number 98 in returning production. But uh, the way that they get there is they are number 130 in returning production on offense, number 9 on defense. So they got a bunch of guys coming back on defense, but that is from the number 124 PPA per drive defense 
in the country. So it's not good. Uh, Jerry Kill, I think, was a home run hire because you know that he's going to work himself to the bone to build a good program. I, I would not worry about this season if I'm a New Mexico State fan because this is laying a foundation. Like, let the playmakers eat. Still get the youth plenty of snaps. Uh, this season is more about culture than winning. Like, I've, I've got them going 1-11. at 11. What have you got them? I've got them 2-10. and 2-10. and 10. All right. 2-10. and 10. And I, I, I could see that. I could see this team not winning a game. I could see them winning a couple of games. Um, but, yeah. That's, that's only it. because I have them beating UMass. There you go. There you go. Um, I've actually got them losing to UMass and beating Lamar. So. I know that. <laughs> All right, that well, actually, I haven't beaten Lamar also. Let's, uh, like, those are the two wins. Let's those move on. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, let's move on right. to UMass. Uh, I think I know what so UMass's UMass. record is going to be now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. UMass hired Don Brown, who was the defensive coordinator at Michigan. And Don Brown, um, I don't – look, I don't know what he's going to be as a head coach. He's an older guy. Uh, they went 1-11 last year. Post-game win expectancy was not that much different. 1.34, 10.66. They're not good. Roster strength right now is number 121. But as far as returning production goes, they're number six in the country. That's pretty good. 80% of their returning production is coming back. Um, they brought in eight defensive transfers, six of them from uh, from P5 schools. Like It's going to take a bit to get acclimated. But they absolutely had to have something. To improve because they were number 128 in defensive PPA per drive. The offense was not much better. Uh, they were dead last in the country in PPA margin and net points per drive. Like they were not good. Uh, they brought in 14 total transfers. Like you got to figure, like they'll be able to develop chemistry fairly quickly because I imagine all of them will be playing. Um, you know, how quickly can they pick up Don Brown schemes? Like I, I've got them at two and 10. Um, you know, like I, there's just not a lot to look for this season. Again, I think this is another one of those where you brought in a pretty well-known coach, and it's going to take some time to build a culture there. You you feel the same on it? No, I don't. I don't think that's true for either one of these programs. By the way, for for neither your statement for the exact same thing for New Mexico State. Like there's there's no culture that's going to build there. Like they're just going to be bad. Hey, you you may be onto something. Like, I, I think what you're trying to do, they're they're trying to build some kind of a culture. Uh, whether or not it's possible, now that's a whole different story. I, I don't know hey, that it But is. I need mean, all right, who's they? The head coaches? Yeah. The head coaches are only there trying to show, hey, if I can show any improvement at all, I can get a head coaching job somewhere else. And then I'm on the first thing smoking away. It's not the athletic department. It's not the boosters. At either of these places, it's not the fans. They're not trying to win it, put it together a winning culture. I don't put any money into these programs at all. Are you, are we sure that these are the two coaches that are going to be like leaving for other jobs? Like I Well, if hey, if they're successful at all, yes. I, maybe. Okay, yeah, I can If they're not, then they're just going to stay there. But they're not building any those programs and I'm talking about the administration that runs them, where the money is going, they're not putting money into football. We're not building anything. No, no, you're you're not wrong. Uh, Don Brown is no. 66 years old. Jerry Kill is. This 60. team's gonna win. So this team's gonna win one game, maybe, maybe win one game, and they're gonna struggle really hard in every game 
to put any points up at all. So you you've got UMass at one and eleven. I take that. Uh, yeah, one yeah, yeah. I I've got them two and ten. Uh, I've got them beating New Mexico State. Um, but again, anything's possible here, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Like, yeah, if they if they show any kind of improvement and somebody offers them another gig, yeah, they'll probably get out of there. Um, I just don't. Well, and even if they don't, but like, here's the deal: nobody's building anything. Like this idea that these these programs are trying to get better at football, they're not. The coaches are. The coaches want to be better. They don't want to coach teams in the toilet. But I think these, this is what I was talking about earlier when I talked about guys just want to be head coaches. Okay, nobody would choose to be a head coach here over being a DC or an OC somewhere else at a winning program, unless they just really care about being a head coach. That's, you know, all right, so that, that'll take us into the last one here. Um, let's talk about UConn right quick. Uh, UConn, Jim Mora Jr. takes over as the head coach at UConn. Uh, they went 1-11 last year. Of course, the team just flat out quit on Randy Etzel, and they had to get him That's out. Right. Um, yep. I, they brought in offensive coordinator uh, Nick Charlton who was the head coach at Maine for the last three seasons. Uh, now, obviously, that's an FCS school. I mean, he, he actually won some awards uh, as being, you know, he's, he's a pretty young guy. He's only 33 years old. Um, I, why you would leave a head coaching job, even in the FCS, I mean, I guess UConn's going to pay more as an OC. But, again, if you're trying to build a resume, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, they did bring in a uh, the, the Penn State transfer quarterback, Taquan Robinson. Everybody remembers him, I would imagine, from the uh, the Iowa game where uh, Sean Clifford went out and then Penn State could do nothing on, on offense. Um, but at the same time, like almost anything is going to be better on offense than what they did last year. They were number 129 in PPA per drive on offense. At defense wasn't great either. Um, they, they do have uh, three offensive linemen returning with a lot of skill players. Uh, transfers coming in could take over starting roles in that spot. The defensive coordinator Lou Spanos retains that same role. He was he was the interim coach last year. The team obviously played hard for him. Um, they should improve a little bit. They're returning seven starters. Uh, they're number twenty eight, returning seventy three percent of their production on defense. I I mean it was so obvious that the team had quit on Etzel like early. Um, and then they actually started trying, and they looked pretty decent in some games, even when they lost. They brought in 12 transfers, seven of them P5s. They did upgrade their overall roster strength a little bit. Um, this is a major league rebuild. And, I mean, they, they, they just need improvement across the board. Like, there's, there's nothing that, <laughs> that they really did well last year. Uh, I've, I've, got them, I've got them going 2-10. and 10. Um I'm curious your thoughts here on on Mora. Like this is another one where I feel like he's he's building for something, but now that is an accurate statement here. Okay. All right. So first off, I got him two and ten as well. But here's here's what's going on at UConn that's different at those other two places. First off, not too long ago, like I don't know, two three years ago, they put several million dollars into updating facilities. UConn. Uh, uh, athletic department is willing to spend money on football. 
And they've made it clear they're willing to spend money. They went and got a real coach and a pro coach, an NFL coach. Okay. They got somebody who knows what he's doing and knows how to put a staff together, how to coach up kids. And they're going out getting transfers. These other schools, those other two schools aren't going and getting transfers. They're not going out and getting other kids and convincing them to come play at their school. Nobody's doing that for, for UMass or, or, or New Mexico State. No. That, UConn is significantly different. Now, they're bad. And it's going to take a minute, but they are at least building something. Well, let me, let me correct one thing. UMass uh, did bring in 14 transfers. UConn only brought in 12. Um, but I do think that the quality that UConn brought in was significantly uh, I better. I, I don't care. All right, more kids came from other schools. Tell me where they came from, okay? Because UConn's bringing in school kids from G5 and B5 schools, all right? And UMass is probably bringing in a whole lot of FCS school kids. Uh, I know that they were bringing in some. Um, so I know on defense for UMass, uh, and this might be the, Brown, the Don Brown effect, uh, eight defensive transfers, six of them are from P5 schools. Okay. So, I mean, there's there's something there, but again, I don't know about the the quality. Like, I I feel like UConn uh, has has done a little bit better. Like, I'll, I'll say that. So, uh, maybe I'm crazy. I've got them at two and ten. You got them two and ten. I have them two and ten as well. But like I said, I I think this this school is building something. I think there's a distinct difference between what UConn's doing. And what the other two are doing? Yeah, UConn. What? How old is Jim Mora? Do you know? He's probably in his early sixties or late fifties. That's I. I was trying to think because it feels like Jerry Kill has been around way longer. Uh, but no, it's Jim Mora Jr. is the same age as Jerry Kill. How crazy is that? Mm-mm. Uh, Jim Mora just looks like a young guy. Like he looks like he's got every time he talks about UConn, he's so passionate. He's so excited about it. Uh, it's just, it's it's very weird to hear, you know. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know the best way to uh, to explain it, but he he certainly seems to be doing a good job of uh, driving the hype train a little bit. I'll, I'll say that. So, so we both got UConn at two and ten. Um, yeah, I mean BYU and Notre Dame probably going to be the two best of the independents. Uh, Army and Liberty probably going to be highly respected programs again. They will, uh, they will win. They will go to bowl games. And then, of course, we have the bottom three, which are not all that great. Uh, Chris, is there anything else that we need to uh, hit on before we dive out of here today? No, nope, that's it. Thank let's, you. Let's do this. You know what? I'm not even going to give a long goodbye. I'll just say this. Everybody take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets cash this weekend. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.